We are so blessed, so blessed to Him be the glory. Amen. All right, somebody tell me uh, a blessing that you uh, want to testify to. A blessing. Tell me about it. We got our gang with us. We're delighted to have them in with us today. I got my mama that has come to celebrate with us and uh, my favorite mother-in-law in in all the world. And uh, we don't always get to see them or celebrate with them, seeing they in ministry work as well. They're usually serving in uh, their fellowship, so we're glad to have them along with Elizabeth and Chris and the Grand Arrows. Uh, we are delighted they're in. They're having a baby shower for Lydia and Marcus at Bethany Baptist today, their church. So they come in to celebrate with them with that. And um, But we are always delighted to have them come celebrate with us. It's sweet to be part of a family. Amen. Amen. Sweet to be part of a faith family. You know, we're all family, uh, some by blood, some through blood. Come on. But family's family, amen? amen? And we give God the praise and the glory for it. And uh, thank you. Anybody else got a blessing? Yes, he has is, he is touched uh, Mr. Bible Disciple and helped him out and doing a great work in that. Bridget and them had some of these storms. Tommy, was you fixing to mention about God keeping us? He, he preserved us and kept us uh, again through these storms. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, Bridget and them were really close. We were close right here a time or two. And uh, come up right south of us and come up right uh, north of us as well. Same way with Brother Shannon and them. They split uh, between us, Brother Shannon, and uh, around, they all all split. Y'all excuse me for just a second. Throw this on. Davin's putting it in my ear like I can't hear you. And uh, No, he can hear me, but he was telling me to turn the mic on. And uh, But I didn't have the mic on to turn it on, so I had to grab it right there. And uh, But yes, we are grateful for that. There was some, uh, some tornadoes that did hit down close to Bridget and them. Uh, near their place and I think there were some lives that were lost in near their neighborhood five. So three miles. Yes. I think they were really right on top of us as well, more than what we realized. I walked outside at one point and it was kind of calm for that minute, but the rumble that went on for 10, 15 minutes behind us. It just was non-stop, just that turbulent atmosphere. And that was when the first tornadoes dropped down over in Alabama near South Greene County and all that. I'm pretty sure that would have been that same sail that come through and knew something was happening and that couldn't see it, wasn't raining, everything, but it, it just was a non... And you know, anytime you're in a situation where you just hear that constant uh, thunder going on in the high, in the atmosphere, something is... There's some clashing going on with these southern and northern winds, and, and things are going to turn out ugly eventually. So, thank the Lord, we were spared in the midst of all that. Aren't y'all glad for God's redemption? For the blood of Jesus, amen. Amen. 
you know, I was looking at this. I was looking at this hymnal. I, Stephanie needed one. The girls are up here uh, drawing, so they needed a little support. And, you know, we don't have hardly anybody ever sits just right here. Tommy's got a bird's eye view of me right here. Nobody to interrupt him. And I pulled this, I pulled this hymnal out. Can y'all see that? That discoloration on it? That hymnal ain't moved from that spot in so long, it's been discolored underneath. And we see that in places we go, like Bibles or hymn books. We sit in certain areas, and where they've been sitting in a, a holder behind, there's a difference in color on it. And there's a time or two I've took a, taken a picture of it. The point is, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do nothing to get dirty. All you got to do is sit in the same spot and do nothing, and you're going to get dirty. It doesn't matter. Dirt's going to find you. So you don't have to be out there in really bad, bad, bad stuff to get dirty. Just do nothing, and you're going to get dirty. You still need the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You, need his, you need his cleansing for sure. Anybody else? All right, take your revelation that you brought and turn to the older Testament book of Nahum. Nahum. Nahum, you're going to find it's near. Let me give you a couple books that it's near. Micah. If you find Jonah and Micah, you'll come to Nahum. It's three chapters. You got the book of Habakkuk, which just a couple of chapters, and Zephaniah. We're going to be in these two Older Testament books. Of course, we've been in Nahum for a couple of days now. Uh, we'll wrap up with it in our reading today. Then we'll move into Zephaniah. And then from Zephaniah, we'll move back into the Newer, newer Testament. And if I'm not mistaken, we'll be what? In, in Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians, going back to uh, the message uh, that God had for them at Corinth which is a message for us today, just like you're finding out as you read through this book of Nahum and his name, which means comfort, comfort. And this is a, this is a, a heavy word. It's a heavy word. Uh, many over the years have just bypassed it to some extent just because it's it's a it's a harsh message of a lot of gloom that is coming. But you got to keep in mind. I don't think it was by coincidence that the prophet that God used to declare this word, his name means comfort. Because even in the midst of doom and gloom, God always has a comforting word in the midst for that. And one of those words that we find is that God knows those who trust him. And he is good to those who find refuge in him. Even though there are some harsh events still yet to take place, there were harsh events that were going to have to be dealt with even in that day. But this prophet Nahum who proclaimed this word, and this is the thing, this word was about what God was going to do. It was a precursor of still what's yet to come. But you got to keep in mind, we talked about this, I think, was it Sunday? We referred to Sennacherib. And Sennacherib was one of the kings that was over Assyria. And this word is talking about, uh, matter of fact, it, it's talking about Assyria uh, directly, 
and its leadership of what they had been doing to all these other nations and in particular to God's people. And we have learned as we was walking through Kings because we're dealing with a time frame uh, that most likely when Nahum was prophesying and this word was spoken to God's people. Now you want to keep this in mind. This message, just like the message to Sennacherib, more than likely never got to the Ninevites. It's directed toward God's people. Have you ever been talking to one kid, but you wanted the other kid to hear it? You was instructing one, but your intent was to make sure they all heard it. Are you with me? This is what God is doing here. God is speaking about one, but the message is for the other. And even though he's speaking about Assyria, Nineveh, the city and its strongholds, the message was actually for Israel, for Judah. It's a message to them that, hey, God is a just God. And because God is a just God, God demands justice. And because God demands justice, he does not tolerate injustice. And all injustices, no matter where they come from or how they are worked out, in due time, they will all be dealt with throughout time. God has always dealt with injustices and he's going to continue to do that. And one day, the collectiveness of all the injustices that have been done that have not been covered under the blood of Jesus, those that trust God, those that yield themselves to him, all those injustices will meet the judge. And when they meet the judge without Jesus, they meet a judge without mercy. And this is the effect this is the point of that he is making in this brief prophetic word of Nahum for us today the Ninevites the Assyrians the city of Nineveh sat near the Tigris river about 200 220 miles north of what we know as Baghdad in Iraq today it's where it sat but it went unknown for a long period of time in archaeology because God told him he was going to annihilate and destroy, and that's exactly what he did. And it wasn't until the 1800s that archaeologists found the city of Nineveh under all that waste, this great city that was of great magnitude that existed for a great long period of time, Keith, went unknown in the chronicles of history because it was wiped out. It was wiped out and broke down and, and destroyed years and years ago. Nearly 2,500 to 2,000 to 2,600 years ago, it was destroyed. It wasn't found until, uh, what, 150 years ago or less. 160 years ago. That's when the archaeologists began to dig and found this great massive city that was under all the earth that had been destroyed. Well, what happened was they sat in an area that they felt like they couldn't be penetrated. They couldn't be attacked because they had a moat surrounding part of the city and then they had the Tigris River on the other side 
of the city and they were in a fortitude place. They had built such massive walls. They say that they could run chariots on top of their walls, three abreast. It was so wide and so thick and nobody could get in. They couldn't be stopped. But God had already forewarned them that he was going to destroy them. Now what he did, now we, we're not going to get into all those details and we, we'll probably bring it up between today and tonight, but this is what happened. God had forewarned or he's telling his people this is what he was going to do, that he was going to overrun them with a great flood. And that's exactly what happened. The Tigris River flooded. And when it flooded, it created a breach in its city walls. That water's dangerous. When water's raging, water is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Well, God flooded the Tigris. It penetrated a breach in the wall. And guess who rode their vessels and their boats inside that breach and overcome that city? The Babylonians. They took advantage of the elements and of the weather and of the conditions in that day. They went into that breach and they destroyed Nineveh. All because of their injustices. Now, 100 and say 25 years previous to that, there was another prophet that actually brought a word to Nineveh, walked through its streets and preached a word that God was going to destroy them within 40 days. And what, what was that prophet's name? Jonah, Jonah the prophet. Y'all, y'all remember Jonah. Jonah was so caught up in his own doings and his own life. He was living, he was loving life where he was at. And God said, I want you to go proclaim a word to Nineveh. And Jonah said, look, God, I know what you're going to do. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. You're going to grant them mercy, but you can use anybody else to go do it. I don't want to go do it. I like where I'm at. I enjoy what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing now. So instead, he gets on a boat. And Jonah gets on that boat and tries to go as far east, or excuse me, west as he could away from Nineveh, directly straight away. But we can't outrun God, amen? amen. You're not going to get away from him. When God wants to use you, even when you don't want to be used, he's going to use you. Now, you might have to go through some heartache. You might have to be cast out into the sea. This old, this, the old elements might have to swallow you up and you might have to go down in the bottom of some stuff, but eventually God's going to spit you out and you're going to go do what God wants you to do. Amen. But you can go through some heartache in between. How many of y'all been through some heartache? How many of y'all been through some heartache of your own demise? From your own thinking, your own decisions that I want to live like I want to live. And that's, that's all Jonah did. Jonah tells us that. Jonah said, when a man pays attention to his own ways, when he's fond of his own doings, this is what he does. He, he will forsake being kind to other people. He will abandon showing kindness to other people. And that's exactly, when, when you get caught up in the useless living, when we get caught up in our own things that we like and we enjoy, and we find delight in, but look, we're not, we're not going to tell people what Jesus has done for us. We're not telling folks the consequences of them not living for the Lord. We're just not invested or interested and intentionally 
being a difference maker in the lives of those that are passion. But why? Because all injustice is going to have to face a judge one day. And if people don't face God with Jesus, they're going to face him without him. And that's never a good thing. You don't want your children or your sisters or your brothers or your daddy or your mama or anybody to go without Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we want to live in such a way that we manifest Jesus. We reflect him in our everyday living. His light shine shines through us, not flawlessly because we're not going to be flawless. We're not going to be perfect. But that's one of the things of grace. That's what we do. We cast our imperfections upon Jesus. And we can recognize this is not of him, but this is what God does. And this is why I live this way for his glory. And this is why I'm telling you of what he's done for me and what he can do for you. And you see, living that away, there's some, there's just the goodness of God gets upon your life. And even though you flawed and even though you do things that are contrary at times of the ways of God, even when you transgress or, or do an injustice, when God reveals that injustice to you, you throw it back on him and know that he paid for that because all sin has to be paid for. And that's what one of the books of Nahum tells us, that God is a long-suffering God, isn't he? And he gives men plenty of time to get things right with him. And when men don't get things right with him of their wicked ways, there comes to a point where God doesn't acquit. God doesn't acquit. And he, that's what he's telling his people of what was coming. Well, we want to live in such a way that we are revealing and telling and proclaiming and loving and celebrating Jesus in our everyday life so that people will see just how, how beautiful and lovely it is to fall in love with Jesus, how rich it is to be in love with Jesus. Not, not being sinless, but being single-minded in our pursuit of him. Amen? Amen? Now, this particular group of people that Jonah was sent to, some 125 years earlier, or that particular time frame around that, when Jonah preached to them, Hazel, they gave their life over and they said we want Jesus we want the Lord we want to get right and the Bible says that the king and everybody said even every beast don't even feed your beast everybody went into a fast and said we don't know God may relent from doing this harm to us and sure enough God did didn't he Amen. now you got to think about that 120 somebody help me with a little math let's just say 125 130 years ago how far does that take us back what, what, was the, what was the time frame in then? What's that? A party? Yeah. <laughs> Interpret for me, boo. Oh, we were going to have a party? I got you. She knows something. Could you have told her that's for Miss Stephanie? Ah, something's happening at Stephanie's house, huh? 
We can have a party, huh? What is that, 1900? All right, so think about, let's look, let's look, 1890s, 1900. There have been times and times past like that, say some of the revivals that took place uh, during the days of Charles Finney in New York, and that was in the late 1800s. Let's parallel that with Jonah and where they are now with Nahum. There's been a lot of water that's gone under the bridge since that time, hasn't it? You're looking at several generations later, God's going to come now and deal with this, this nation and these group of people for whom he's been using. Because remember, he used Assyria as a means to deal with the injustices of other nations. See, God can do what he wants. And all God's people said... God can do what he wants with whomever he wants, whenever he wants. See, that's one thing about the holiness of God. God is holy not just in some attributes of his character. He is holy in every aspect of his character. What holiness in essence means is that God is unlike. He's unlike anyone or anything or any Anything you can describe or paint or put a picture together or talk about, God's holy in His justice. God's holy in His mercy. God's holy in His power. God's holy in His anger. God is holy in His wrath. God is holy in His grace. God is holy in His mercy. He's holy in His righteousness. He's holy in every aspect of everything about Him. He is holy. He's unlike. Nothing in anyone is like him. He's holy in what he does. So when God uses somebody to punish an injustice, even though he used unjust people to do it, God is holy in his wrath and judgment the way that he's done it. You can't put him in a group with anything or anyone, and he's always right, he's always just, he's always merciful, and he's always kind. And we see that even in these things. That's why he's long suffering. His long suffering, his patience is holy. Nobody's patient like God's patient. Nobody's gracious like God's gracious. Nobody's angry like God is when he's angry. Because every aspect of his character is holy. And we could, we could really argue the point today because God is holy angry, you and I get to celebrate his grace and mercy today. You can testify to the fact that God's anger and wrath and justice and mercy was all poured out on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he is angry and because he has to deal with this transgression and iniquity, he, in his holy righteousness, poured out his holy justice and holy wrath upon his holy son, so that we unholy people can be made righteous and holy before him. Amen? Amen? Ain't nobody like it. Nobody can mimic it. Nobody can, nobody can replicate it. He is holy. And what that should do to us, that brings us to a place of both gladness and we approach him with gravity at the same time. There's a, there's a 
a, a reverence and a fear that we're, we're working, we're submitting to, we're friends with a holy God, which should not even be possible. You see, but nobody's like our holy God who made it possible in all his holiness so that we can be a friend of his. Amen. Isn't that a, that's just an amazing thing. That does something within us to think of this holy anger and wrath that we're seeing manifested in this particular group of people is an actual message of mercy and comfort to those for whom they have been unjust too. And us to see that one day, all this that we live in are surrounded by and all the troubles and the problems and the injustices that are going current, going on currently, all that's coming to an end. Amen. All that will be dealt with by a holy God and he has made provision for us in advance before we ever have to meet him face to face. Praise Jesus, amen. amen. Now what he wants them to see his people to see let's just read the first few verses before we uh, make our way uh, to our homes today or wherever God's going to send us out on his mission field the scripture says the burden the oracle the burden the burden against Nineveh capital city of Assyria the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. Verse 2. We've read verses before that says God is mercy. God is love. God is, Brother Shannon, jealous. Amen. And in his holy jealousy, there is a holy demand. God is jealous for himself there is a zealousness for his ways for his righteousness for his people who have been made righteous by him God is jealous and the Lord avenges the Lord avenges, avenges and is furious this holy fury holy anger none like it the Lord will take vengeance on all his what? Adversaries. Those that are against him. Those that don't stand with him. This is the summation of their end. And he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is what? Slow. Everybody said. Aren't y'all glad he's slow to anger? Boy, if he wasn't slow to anger, we wouldn't be here, Tommy. I wouldn't be here, that's for sure. None of us would be here if he wasn't patient and slow to anger. So his patience is unlike any other. Uh, you can't compare him to anyone. And he is great in power and he will not at all acquit the wicked. He will not acquit. You see a, a picture of a courtroom. You see Nahum giving this defense of who God is and what God does and how he does it. And there's no one like him. And the reason why God will not acquit in the end his adversaries is because God's been just so long suffering with his adversaries through the years. They are, they're going to approach him without any excuse and there will never be. You never see God apologizing for who he is. 
You never see God apologizing for what he does. He's not and he won't because there's no room for it because there's no reason for this apology. But what we see here is this, is that there's going to come a point in time as it will be for this nation that he's referring to, including the Babylonians, which he's going to paint some pictures toward them as well, who he's going to use to overthrow these Assyrians is that this is a reminder for us that this is the conclusion of all God's adversaries throughout all time, including a future that is still yet ahead of us. That when his adversaries face him as an adversary, there will be no acquittal at that point. He's provided the acquittal in Jesus. He is our propitiation, the New Testament will tell us, which would basically say God only has one, one solution that satisfies his anger and his mercy, his grace and his glory, and that's his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the covering of his blood. So God does not equip those that have not submitted to his authority and his power. And he wants his people to be aware of that. Look in verse number, what is it? We'll continue on in verse number three. Not only will he not acquit the wicked, the Lord has his way in what? What is a whirlwind? That's a tornado. That would be a hurricane. That would be a northeastern or northeaster storm, what they would call on the east coast, a, a typhoon out in the Pacific. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind. So this is what we need to know, that last week when all these storms came through, last night, did we have some storms rolling through here last night? Does God have his way in that storm? Now we can look at all that and just look at it from a natural standpoint, or we can see it from a supernatural that God has his way in the midst of the storm. Amen. Now what he's fixing to do, Deborah, is show us several things about like a storm. How many of us can control the storms? Is there anything we can do to stop them? Can we build a wall to turn them another way? Can we, can we build strong enough fans, Keith, blowers to fight against the storms that are coming? You see, these storms, what he's going to mention to us, Pam, are things that are out of our control. Man has no control over these things whatsoever. Humanity cannot control the whirlwind. No matter how smart we become, intellectuals we are, no matter the scientific data that we calculate and come together, all our weathermen are all what? What do they do with the weather? They predict, they what? They guess, which is a prediction and some of them are better guessers than others are you with me just like they're better preachers than other they are uh, better mamas and better daddies and better husbands and all that but a wife doesn't leave one husband because another husband's better than her husband she stays with her husband amen, amen. and all God's people said amen. there's always going to be somebody or something that is better these weathermen do the best they can i believe it with what they got but you know what they can't control they can't control the flow the path the winds the speeds the direction the rain none of that can be harnessed and controlled it could only be predicted it's out of man's control 
A lot in our lives are just out of our control. A diagnosis of cancer is out of your control, ain't it? A diagnosis of Alzheimer is what? Out of your control. A diagnosis of bone failure is out of our control. A heart attack, it's out of our control. But you see, we submit ourselves to Him who controls the uncontrollable. Who controls the uncontrollable. That's part of trusting the holiness and the uniqueness of God. That God is not limited by, nor is He restricted to. He's the one that still has His way in that which man can't control. He has His way in the whirlwind. He goes on to give us a couple things. In the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. The clouds are the dust of his feet. Have you ever noticed that some of the prettiest sunsets that we have right here are always following what? The storm. They're following the storm. It takes an unstable atmosphere to create the beauty that we get to see. When all the elements come together at the right time, with the right amount of light, at the right time of the day, when the storms come through and we still have a little daylight left and the clouds start breaking up and some of those ugly terrifying clouds that came through now that they don't have any moisture in them now the wind is not coming to the devastators the sun's peeking out on the other side and all of a sudden you got something magical in the sky because a storm just rolled right through our area well when the scripture says the clouds are the dust of his feet That is saying, just like on uh, last week we had those storms when they came through. Not this past storms, but the ones before. When we got all that rain on that Thursday night, or Wednesday, no, it was Wednesday night that week. Remember, we had service on Tuesday, and it was on Wednesday. The following morning, Davin and I was just talking about it. Greg and I talked about it the other day. I mean, all that rain that fell on us. Ground saturated, everything. At daybreak and throughout that morning when cars would come by, it looked like a dust cloud out there from the pollen. After all that, all that moisture that just came through. It was everywhere. I told Stephanie, I said, what doesn't come through here and drop dirt? And we got out there, we was walking and, and, and it was nothing but pollen on the ground. Have you ever been in a place like on a hunting lease, Keith? And you was a good ways away, but you knew that there was a dirt road, um, say a quarter mile, a half a mile, three quarters mile, several miles from you, that you couldn't see. You could hear the road, but you couldn't see the road because of the trees. But you could see the dust coming up from the road when a car or a truck was going through that road. They was leaving a, a dust bowl behind you. You ever been following somebody on a dirt road and you had to roll your windows up? Well, see, that dust that follows behind is that image of when a storm comes through, when God comes through, those clouds that are remaining are like the dust left behind from Him rolling through. That's the image there. They're the dust that's following His path 
of where he's going. So we could understand that with all these things, he's going to mention a couple other. For an example, he rebukes the sea and makes it dry. We're talking about droughts. He dries up rivers. And then you got places that are unusually amounts of dew that fall on them, Bashan and Carmel, these mountains and the flower of Lebanon wilts, the mountains quake before him, the hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Everything he just mentioned are things that man is out of their control. Amen. But God does what he wants in them. Amen? Come on. And you know what? That's, that's the one I want to submit myself to. He's the same today. As he was yesterday, as he was then, and he will be tomorrow. He's unchanging. And just for time's sake, as we close out, we'll pick up on some of these things tonight. Look what he says in verse number 7. Not only the Lord is jealous, not only is he patient and long-suffering, not only is he loving and merciful and just and holy, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And ain't nobody like his goodness. Amen? The Lord is good. And because he's good, he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. When Danny was riding down 45, he was in trouble. So he, he cried out. And he needed a stronghold. Somebody to keep him. And God knows those. He knows those who trust him. Amen. Amen. Oh, just saying here that the Lord knows. When Lauren was a little girl, that was one of her favorite phrases. Elizabeth would question her on something and Lauren would say, God knows. They'd say she did something and she'd say, God knows. She'd go to tell us something and she'd say it and she'd say, God knows. And we'd get to the point we'd say, we know God knows. We know God knows. But we don't know what you know that he knows. Amen. That's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. We're trying to clue in on what took place. God knows. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. And in the midst of the uncontrollable events of life. That have you have no control over. You can rest assured that God has a zealous passion that God is good, that God is gracious like no other, and that he knows each of you that trust him. In the midst of the worst circumstances and conditions of life, he knows those who trust him. He knows those. Not only in Israel, for who this word was proclaimed to about another place, that he was going to deal with those unjust people, but even in Nineveh, because I'm willing to say that one of their great-grandmas or great-great-grandpas or great-great-great-grandmas that were living in the days of Jonah that passed down the miraculous thing God did for them in their day Passed it down to little Joe Smuckatelli. And little Joe Smuckatelli passed it down to little sister Sally. And little Billy John passed it down to his grandson 
or another one. And you know what? I believe there in Nineveh, there still were some people that trust this holy God. And even though God was about to deal with, do something in the midst of them that they had never seen, would have never thought in a million years would have ever happened. Even Israel, when this word gets to them, Brittany, they, Nineveh was at its pinnacle of power. It had walked through anybody and everybody. They were of great wealth. They had taken the spoils of all these nations. All these kings were sending them tributes. They were loaded. They had the military might. They had the minds to get it done. All that. Nothing could stop them. They were at the peak of their power. And in the midst of the peakness of all this strength, there's a word that comes and says, they're not going to make it that much longer. They're coming down. You see, because if the Lord doesn't build the house or build the city or watch the city, those who build and watch and labor, labor in vain. Eventually, the sand's coming out from underneath. The floods are going to wash it away if it's not built on the rock, the eternal rock of a living God. Amen. In all that, God was letting them know, I know those that trust me. And because I am wholly angry and have a holy fury, I have holy mercy, I have a holy goodness as well. And I could distinguish the difference from those that are wicked and those that trust me. And I know how to take care of them. As well. Our New Testament is filled with that. Things we go through in this life are incomparable to what is still yet to come. Amen? Still incomparable of what's to come. If you trust Him in here today, this word, you, you can be glad you serve a holy God. Amen? Amen? You can be glad He has a holy anger. You can be glad that He is holy good. And holy gracious. You can be glad today. Now in that gladness. We need to go warn a world. That has still yet no idea. That they're going to clash. With this holy anger one day. Amen. And they don't want to do it without his holy mercy. Amen. Amen. And his holy. Grace. We are the message bearers. We got to warn a world. That calamity is coming. We don't know when it's coming, but it's coming because God is going to deal with all his adversaries and all injustices. It's coming. Amen. It's coming. It's coming. We can be difference makers. Amen. And help people out. Help them out. Father, we thank you. We pray that you help us, empower us to uh, be those difference makers that we don't take these things lightly, that there's a uh, sense of um, awe and, and wonder and, and reverence and fear that we don't want to do our thing our way, especially uh, in what we think we control. That's the problem with us. We think we have control over controllable things, but in the end... Everything is out of control with us when we're not walking with you. So, Lord, I pray that you help us as dads and moms and grandparents 
uh, as brothers and sisters and friends to encourage and strengthen and help one another and that we would take uh, these things you've given us with uh, a great sense of reverence and, and responsibility and accountability that we're shaping another generation. There's generations to come that haven't even been born yet that can be influenced and impacted on what we pass on and what we share and how we live. We've recognized that and seen that with your servant Elisha. This touching a man's dead body for whom you touched brought life to another dead man. And I thank you for that and praise you for that witness that what is done in this place today, what is trusted and obeyed can influence and touch an entirely another generation when they have no power to even know what is happening apart from you doing a work in their lives. So Lord, we just bless you. Thank you for us being able to see that you have your way in the uncontrollable things of this world. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. I don't know if I told y'all lately, but I love y'all. And in his time, I'm so delighted that the Lord has seen it fit to bring our hearts together. That in his uncompromising holiness, he has chose to put this group together at this time for his glory. Amen. But we don't want to take that lightly. Amen. What a sweet blessing. What a sweet blessing. Anybody have anything before we go today? You do what, Carolyn? When is your birthday? April 10th. How old are you going to be? 54. 54 years old. What you giving away on your birthday? Anything. Anything. You giving away free hugs? You will. All right. Yeah. Well, Carolyn's got a birthday coming up. You celebrating it? You got a party planned already? Trying to. Trying to. You been being good? Uh, yes. Well, that didn't sound too convincing. Alright, her at school tomorrow. We sure will. Anybody else? Yes, we sure glad to have them too. They are going to be going, the, the shower starts at 4 o'clock, right? So they won't be able to be back with us tonight as we gather back. The kids, Elizabeth and uh, Chris, are going to head back to uh, Madison tonight. And then the my mom and Miss Alona are going to come back with Stephanie and then they'll head out tomorrow. So they'll appreciate y'all praying for them. And as Elizabeth and them travel today. No doubt. And with Valor, huh? We just couldn't bring, we could bring Valor over here. He'd probably see it. What y'all think? I don't know. Yeah. He's a big old dog. He stands about that tall. Gentle dog, though. But he's got a lot of energy with him. Anybody else? Okay, for Liddy. Okay, you got it for Liddy. Gotcha. All righty. Anything else? Well, praise ye the Lord. To God be the glory. I'm going to ask my mama. She's here. I don't get to have her with her here much, but if you would, would you pray for us? Close that with a word of prayer.
we thank you, Father, that we serve a God that is in control, that loves us and pursues us and for the promise to come back and receive us. Mm-hmm. We love you and we thank you. Thank you, Father, for dying for us. We thank you that we serve a living God. Yes. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, what time next week? Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Love y'all.